Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. That's a T-G-double-I-F, and it has gone so fast. It's gone fast, hasn't it? It's been an amazing week, and I'm just thinking about the week that we've had thus far, starting on Tuesday with Pastor Jeff Bass, who knocked it out of the park, and then on Wednesday, Brian and Kathy Gray from Tennessee knocked it out of the park, and then yesterday, Brother Daniel Seckham from Australia knocked it out of the park. And today we have our brother Don Huddle going to be joining me on the air to talk about things going on in different directions around the world. We're excited about that. We're glad it's Friday, a Shabbat again. Um, for those who are going to enter into a little day of rest, God bless you for doing so. And I hope you get refueled and refreshed. And uh, we've got some special things this weekend we're doing as well. So um, I was thinking, I want to say thank you to uh, Scott. And I'm going to leave it there with first name only. I want to say thank you to Scott for his donation of the ministry. It was the first in just about a month that we received as a support and a blessing to our work on the Internet. And so we thank you, Scott. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And it's, it's just very, very helpful uh, to get the help for what we do. And uh, I really appreciate it. And God bless you and God bless your giving. Multiply your seed sown. Increase the fruits of your righteousness because this is the way that God does things when we partner in ministry. And I just know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that our ministry is balanced. I know that we had some of the greatest speakers on the air with us uh, in our generation that God is raising up. They're awesome. 
you know, none of us are the professional orators uh, or motivational speakers as much as just the voices that are speaking the truth of God that is so profoundly awesome in a time when so much deception is running rampant in our society. And we just refuse to be blind, and we thank God that we've been apprehended by God, and we're willing to say what the Word of God has to say. And today we're going to hear some things that need to be said once again. And uh, But again, it's been a great week. And then last week was a great week. And so we are, I'm impressed with the people that God is bringing onto the radio broadcast to share with you, our listeners. Imagine that. You are being fed And then when you come to a church meeting on Saturday or Sunday, uh, you're hearing the Word of God very balanced. It's all about encouraging ourselves to become uh, what Christ has called us to be. It's about the intrinsic, inward uh, transformation that's going on in our lives, about how we are being conformed into the image of the firstborn son, uh, growing up in maturity, dealing with our humanity that is in the way of God's spiritual new creation species. I mean, it is so full, and we are so rich, and none of us takes the credit or claim to be anything or have anything of ourselves. We have just been given so much by God in his word, and this is what we've been doing for 40 years. We've been reading the Bible for 40 years and then doing what it says or learning to do what it says working out our salvation with fear and trembling, sounding the alarm in Zion, wakening up the people, proclaiming the prophetic that is to come upon the earth. We're witnessing with our eyes everything that we've been talking about that the word says, and there's still more to say. We have not exhausted scripture. And again, it's a very balanced word. God is a good God. And he wants to be good to you. And he wants to be good to me. And that goodness is in our deliverance from demonic possession. That goodness is our salvation or being salvaged from the destruction of the human race that crashed and burned 6,000 years ago. The goodness of God is in the blessing of the Lord, which is a spiritual blessing of inward tranquility and peace and joy and harmony. And to be immersed in the love of Christ to walk in the love of God, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, and when we go through our momentary, uh, you know, light and momentary affliction that is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us, you remember the scriptures say that there's an eternal weight of glory. Um, And so these light and momentary afflictions, ah, they just come and they go, and thank God we never get stuck in them, and thank God we're not caught in them, and thank God we don't remain in them. And I want to encourage you to get up and get on with it. Don't remain too long in any kind of affliction, but let that affliction work in you and purge and purify and refine whatever's there. Hey, listen, God really does love you, that God really does love the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that none would perish, but we would all come to salvation and repentance. I mean, that's the best news in the world. Have you heard today that God loves you? In spite of everything that's going on in the world, do you know that God loves you? May I be the first to tell you this morning that you are loved. You are loved by God. God loves you more than your mama, more than your daddy, more than your husband or more than your wife, more than your children, 
more than your parents, more than grandpa, more than grandma. God loves you. And he demonstrated his love for you when he sent his son to die for our sins, for your sins, my sins. He died for our sins. Who do you know that's going to die for you? And yet Jesus Christ died not only for the sins of the people 2,000 years ago, but for the sins of the whole world. That's the message. This is the gospel. This is the good news, that Christ died for our sins, that we are no longer guilty. We are no longer condemned. We are no longer ashamed. We're not going to hell. We're not going into the lake of fire. We are never going to die. We have a bright future. We're going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. We're going to put off the old nature and put on a brand new nature. We're getting brand new bodies to go on and do eternity with. I mean, the the future is bright. If we could look beyond the momentary struggle, if we could look beyond, like Jesus, look beyond the cross to the joy that was set before him. And you and I have to have that eternal perspective, not the singular momentary now perspective, because things can get really bogged down quick in this little mortal period of time that we live in, in this horizontal, you know, moment to moment. We're talking about eternal life here. And when we have an eternal perspective, we can look past the momentary affliction and realize that it's all working together for good for us who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the purpose of God in your life is to transform you back into his image because mankind was made in the image and likeness of God. But sin came in and destroyed the image and likeness. So through Jesus Christ, the firstborn of a new species, that new species, that new creation, which Christ is and demonstrated and lived out, is the new born-again spirit that's in us, that we are born again. We are new creatures. We are a new species, and we are becoming that as we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're putting away the old. We're putting on the new. We're walking out of the darkness. We're moving into the light. We're coming out of spiritual death into spiritual vitality and life. We are on a journey. We are the pioneers of this age, and we have come to the river's edge. We've come to the point of crossing over into a brand-new season, a brand-new destiny, but we are on this side of things, and we've got to cross over. Israel had to cross over, across through the Red Sea. Then they had to cross over, across through the Jordan River. You and I are in a transition time. As pioneers, we're leaving what is familiar, and we're getting ready to go through something. And on the other side of it, we're going to see the glory. On the other side of Egypt, there was a wilderness. And on the other side of the wilderness, there was a promised land. On the other side of this momentary life is eternal life. On the other side, so we have to be faithful in our faith. We must remain faithful to the end. And our faith is more precious than gold, though it be tried in fire, but it will be found unto praise, glory, and honor at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your faith and my faith are what is necessary to get through the great tribulation time that we are moving towards. Everything in the world is screaming at us. It's like somebody writing it on the wall. Everything going on, you are going towards. There's a sign. You are so many miles from your exit, right? So many miles from your destiny. Well, the signs of the times are telling us you are right at the door of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. But you have to go through that because right beyond that is your eternal destiny. So we're not afraid of the great tribulation. We're not happy about it. 
but it's going to be useful to God to get the wrinkles, the spots, the blemishes out of our lives. That's for sure. It's going to humble every one of us. It's going to break our pride, our self-sufficiency. We are going to bend the knee. We are going to call upon the name of the Lord. And if we don't, we're going to be destroyed, right? So God's going to use the great tribulation. And there are going to be some that are going to go through the great tribulation and not even know that there was one. Because God has prepared a place for them, the overcomers, for three and a half years to be nourished. And if God prepares something, you know it's good. So, yes, it's coming. The signs of the, uh, along the, uh, the freeway are there. They're declaring you're getting closer and closer and closer to the great tribulation. The Antichrist is coming. There's a mark of the beast coming. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And right beyond that great tribulation is eternal life, eternal destiny, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not looking for an easy way out. God wants to demonstrate his power while we're here. And so this is a great time to be alive. So, you know, I just love what God is doing in the ministry. I love what God is doing in our lives. I love that God is so good. And that to think that we are his workmanship, to think that God has begun a work in you, think about it. God chose you. You did not choose God. And when God chose you, he began to do a work in the depths of who you are unseen, unfelt, unrealized, not even thought about most of the time. It is a deep, secret work of God, but the time comes when he's ready to unveil his workmanship and to unveil it and reveal it to the world around you. And I believe that there are many sons coming to glory or glorification, and that God is going to eclipse the darkness by an outburst of divine light that is going to manifest forth through the sons of God, those who, like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, manifested forth a glory, a light that was brighter than the sun. And I believe that the glory of God in us, which is Christ, is wanting to effulgence, it's wanting to outray, it's wanting to be released, and I believe it's part of God's plan. So I'm just saying that, you know, we're talking about end times, we're talking about pestilence, war, famine, earthquakes, natural disasters, deception. Uh, false prophets, false preachers, false teachers, false apostles. But in the midst of it all, there is the true. <clears throat> there is the genuine, and there is life. And so with that being said, praise God and pass the ammunition. Today we're going to talk <clears throat> more about the things that we're living in the midst of. And this should not be a surprise to anybody. Paul the Apostle said that we have this treasure, and he was referring to Christ, eternal life. He said we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. It's like a diamond in the rough. And we got the treasure of salvation and the new creation, but it's in this vessel of clay. It's in an earthen vessel. And that it, it's subjected to this, and it's subjected by God for a purpose and a reason. This, the Word of God talks about this. But you need to know that that treasure of salvation and eternal life, that treasure of Christ in you, the hope of glory, is really there. And yet it's in the midst of your human vessel, right? And so you and I, in our physical bodies, our physical lives, we're living on the planet, in the world, at this time. But God has a plan to keep us from this present evil world. 
right? He's going to keep us. And I want to just prove that briefly in the book of Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul wrote this and he said, grace, and this is in verse uh, 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God. Jesus Christ, when you and I receive what he did for us, that he forgave us, that he died for our sins, when we accept that, he's going to deliver us from this present evil world. Man, what better news could that be? You're talking about some real power here. And uh, any moment now, things are going to explode in the world. But you have to remember, you're here on purpose. You're here by design. And God is able to protect you in the midst of everything. So you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Okay? And so when things go south and things go ballistic and when all evil comes and disaster strikes, if you're walking properly with the Lord, you're going to be preserved. You're going to be protected. I'm not making that up. We never play games with the Word of God, but there are too many promises. In fact, I want to lay one forth. I've been working on it all morning. I want to see if I got it down. You ready? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Darn it. (laughs) His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. No evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, that keep you in all your ways. And that's about as far as I can go. But what I'm saying is that there are promises of God to protect you, right in the midst of the greatest storms of life. And if God doesn't, we should be living in a way that if we're martyred, fine. If we're persecuted, fine. If we're suffering for Christ, fine. We don't want to suffer for being ignorant. We don't want to suffer for being foolish. We don't want to suffer because of our sin. But if we suffer for what is doing, for doing what is right, well, praise God. Happy are you, says the word of the Lord, right? So we're in it, but we're not of it. God's protective power is there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This was the psalm of King David when his love and affection was upon the Lord. Now, 
David did not experience this throughout his whole life. He got into deep trouble because of his sin. And I'll tell you today that our sin could keep us away from these prophetic promises. We cannot walk in the flesh or out of a carnal mind. We cannot walk in disobedience or self-centeredness. We cannot do it and expect God to protect us. The prophetic promises of God's protection are for those that love him and walk close to him, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. All right, those who allow the shepherd to lead and guide their lives. If we're doing it, it's not going to work. We have to be willing to follow the Lord wheresoever he goes. So with that being said, my dear brother and yours, our dear friend, Brother Don is with us. He's going to share with us on this Friday afternoon or this Friday morning the things that are going on all around us. Here's a man that loves God. He's been involved in Vietnam. He is with the ATF, the FBI, police department. He's been involved in all kinds of stuff in the world, and he got born again and is now serving God. But he's very aware of the things that are going on in the world in which we live. And he's keeping, as a watchman, all of us informed. Without further ado, let's welcome to the broadcast Brother Don Huddle. Good morning, Brother Don. God bless you, sir. Welcome to the broadcast. How are you today? Well, thank you very much, Pastor Vince. I'm real good, and I hope you are too. I am, and I'm glad it's Friday. I got to be honest with you. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, how are things going for you, sir? Yeah, real good. Uh, how's your beautiful wife? Patricia Joy is doing as she has been for. I've known her for over 40 years. Been married for 30. She's doing great. She looked at me this morning in those eyes. You know those eyes? She looked right into me, yeah. and she started praying for me, and I thought, wow, that's good. And how is your beloved wife, Lynn, doing? Hey, she's back. She's, Tell me she's, about uh, it. Back. She, wow. she was in the grip of death. Yes. I've never seen a woman so sick or in pain. This went on for about four or five months, but she slowly worked her way back. Wow, and, uh, that's amazing. She's even off of uh, she's even off of a cane now. She went from a wheelchair to a walker, and, and then a cane, and now she's hobbling around. <laughs> and she's even Praise. making breakfast. <laughs> no way! Praise the living God! And you know, I want to give testimony that oftentimes we invited you to come out here, and you said, "No, I need to be here for my wife." You knew things were yeah. getting hot. You knew things were going on, but you said. I need to remain here with my wife. And now you're seeing recovery. How does that make you feel? Well, God is good. I didn't know how this was going to work out this time because, like I said, uh, death was knocking on her door big time. But slowly she, uh, the Lord healed her. He didn't heal all at once uh, because you know how he heals. Sometimes all at once, sometimes slow because... I think he uh he wants to use pain and suffering for for uh to grow people and uh <clears throat> so I think that's all that was. I mean, he wants you to be really dependent upon him when you're sick cuz he has something for you he wants to teach you and I think that's why he allows people to to linger in uh pain and suffering. They re- become more reliant upon him. And I think that Amen. was the case here. And uh, he's good. He's good. That's one thing I learned about God. He's good. Amen. And, uh, 
Amen. Hey, Brother Don, with that great news, here's some other incredible news right now breaking. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned its 1973 landmark Roe vs. Wade decision that legalized abortion nationwide for nearly 50 years. Uh, Friday's outcome is expected to lead to abortion bans in roughly half the states. Uh, the decision, unthinkable just a few years ago, was the culmination of decades of efforts by pro-life advocates. The ruling came more than a month after the stunning leak of a draft opinion by Justice Samuel Alito, indicating the count was prepared to take this momentous step. All right, so is the violence about to heat up in our country right now? Is today the, the, the setting, is this the powder keg? Thank God it's done. Thank God. But is it enough, Brother Don, is it enough to stay the judgment of God upon this nation after 50 years of shedding innocent blood, or is this a linchpin for the powder cake to blow at this time? What are your thoughts? Linchpin. Yeah, no doubt. 100%. The, the country's, uh, it's just more, more and more going into a spirit of civil war. And these, uh, these homosexuals and baby murderers, as vicious as they are, because, yeah, you know, they, they pervert the most innocent of life and murder it. Yeah, there's nothing that they're not capable of doing, but they're cowards too. You always got to remember that they're cowards. They come at night and uh, they come when you're least prepared because they don't want to get caught. They can deal it out, but they can't take it. And that's one of their qualities that that I really enjoy about them because they become predictable then. Uh <clears throat> Along those lines, I know that they're threatening to uh, firebomb churches and come in and do mass murders. And they're perfectly capable of that because they are mass murderers. And uh, because of that, is the threat real? Yeah, the threat's real. But, uh, you know, I was reading about, remember Dylan Root? uh, He's that kid that... That, uh, yes, did that, uh, Wisconsin. Went into that black Methodist church in, what's that, 94? And he killed uh, nine black people. South was Carolina, wasn't about it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he killed them with a forty-five caliber block. Now, what's interesting about that is, and I didn't know this, I, I studied it. You can study it, too. <clears throat> His target wasn't the black church he was uh this fella here he uh, had black friends uh he grew up with black people and uh he got into uh a racist ideology online towards the end there uh and i think i think they just ended up being the target because his black his black friends Uh, They knew he had a gun. His girlfriend had him. They knew he had an AR-15 rifle, uh, and uh, she knew he had that Glock, and he was – she she hid it from him because these guys knew that this kid had been talking about committing some kind of mass murder for a number of years. It was just a question of targeting, and I think he just ended up in that church, and the reason being – is his primary target was a school. Primary target was a school. Hmm. 
And it changed for one reason. It's because he went to whatever school he was targeting, and he observed the security there, and he said, I don't think I can get it done here. I got to go to a soft target. Now, that's critical. If a fellow like that is wandering around, he's going to do surveillance. He's going to find out where he could get in and accomplish his mission. Now, this is a consistent practice with all these guys. Uh, uh, This last shooting down there in uh, Valdez, uh, Texas, Boston, they Mm -hmm. were all they were all surveilled before they went in. And the primary objective was can I get this done? So I think uh, most churches that I know of, they have people that uh, even if they're not obviously armed, they're positioned and watching. Could be in hallways, they could have their own security force. But there's people that serve as a psychological deterrent. And just as with Dylan Root, that deterrent caused him to turn away to a soft target. Found a soft target. It wasn't his primary. Uh, I don't believe that that kid was truly racist. I think he just got into a racist ideology for whatever reason. And he ended up doing a black target because it was just as good as any other target. So he took an easy target, and that was a a prayer group of of people in a black South Carolina church that he had surveilled previously, but he decided not to do them because they were so nice. So he came back. They knew who he was, and uh, they were trying to work with him, and he came back and murdered uh, as many as he could. Now, I think we should all remember that as far as uh, security. If you have a church, you should have people, men, standing in a hallway, people outside the parking lot watching who's coming and going. I know Mike Smith is real good for that at your church. You pull into the parking lot, you're going to see Mike out there, and he's watching. He's looking. And it's obvious that that's what he's doing. That's what you need. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a presence. Now, their presence should also be able to react also, and they should be two or three. They should be armed, and they should be good with with their weapons. But you don't need to be spraying bullets all over the place. I remember that one uh, church down there in Arkansas. I went to Arkansas. It was uh, Alabama. But uh, this was a couple years ago where uh, a shooter came in with a shotgun. And... uh, the uh, preacher, uh, he told everyone to, you know, basically get under the pews when they see him come in. But there was one man there who was uh, very good. He had a three fifty seven SIG handgun, and he was standing in the foyer. And he took one shot 60 feet over the congregation, and he hit that shooter right in the head. One bullet, and that was the end of it. That's the kind of thing you need to do. You don't need to be spraying bolts all over the place. Now, I don't want to be graphic here, so I'm just saying um, all you need to do is use common sense preparations 
in reference to where if that day presents itself, because when that evil force comes against you, they're going to come in looking to see if they can get that done. And if they see they can't, more than likely, they're going to pass you by. And if they don't, be ready to, ready to deal with that very effectively and very quick. And that's all you have to do. Uh, as far as congregations, all I would tell uh, a congregation, because they have to come in and they have to be able to worship and uh, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the Holy Spirit. They don't need to be looking over the back to see if they're going to get shot. So the only thing that a preacher needs to do is tell the congregation, we're going to increase security around here a little bit. Uh, but we got this. And we also have Psalm 91. You know, it's interesting. I was going to ask you. When you open the uh, program there, I was going to ask you to read Psalm 91. <laughs> Isn't that great? I was in all morning. That's what you did. So that Psalm 91 is uh, our security contract. It's our security guarantee. Uh, I was reading about a World War II uh, Italian uh, that fought at the Battle of the Bulge, and they – they did said Psalm 91 every morning, and they came through World War II. You know how many casualties they had in their unit? I heard zero. Zero. Zero, yeah. none. And mm-hmm. you can read about that. Now, that's the power of God there. So we are the yeah. power of God. Amen. No doubt about it. Amen. Now, have the sword ready. Have the sword ready because, you know, Paul, he carried a sword. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. before Jesus entered the Garden of Gethsemane, he made sure that two of his disciples had swords. He All right, so let me, have them. Right, so, so a quick interjection. So what you're saying uh, to any pastors out there, any, anybody in church and leadership, you should have a, an Albert Smith, a Joe Smith, a Tony Smith, a Bill Smith, a Bob Smith, uh, all these different people. Some of them uh, say Albert and Joe Smith are in the, in the parking lot and then say uh, Bill and Michael Smith are in the hallway and then Albert, Ralph, and Joe Smith should be in there, so you should have three levels of protection? Yeah. You okay. know, it's like uh, okay. I walked into a casino one time uh, uh, in this area here. I was a private detective for a while, uh, and I walked into a casino one day, and they had some uh, unarmed people at the entrance, you know, big, fat people in uniforms and all that, and I thought, wow, that's no security. But when I walked up and talked to them and, and I, I produced an identification saying I was looking for someone in that casino, I was surrounded by 10 of the toughest uh, young guys. They looked like they just got out of the military, and they're all dressed the same. And I thought, where'd you guys come from, you know? And all they were was curious because something was going on at the entry control point that was different. So, bam, they were there, you know. I'll never forget that, and that's the way a church needs to be. There needs to be uh, there needs to be a presence there, and personally, what I would do, I'd put a guy, I'd, I'd equip a guy in a security guard uniform with a handgun, and uh, I mean that's easy to do. Everyone seems to have a, a security outfit, and uh, put a little badge on the hat, and it, and have him stand in the in the uh, foyer before the entrance into the church, to where obviously. There's a security presence to repel any type of threat. That's not a bad idea, you know, if you can do that. But the most important thing is you need to have people watching. 
because, you know, it's like when wolves come against the flock. You know, they look to see where the shepherd's at because they don't want that they don't want that cane across that staff across their back, and they know the shepherd will fight for the sheep. So it's very simple, and there's nothing really complicated about it. It's very simple. Um, just, and I hate to say it like this, look through the eyes of the shooter as he enters the parking lot or whatever and gets out of his. Can he get out carrying a rifle, <laughs> or is he going to get shot before he even gets to the to the entrance? He's he's going to want to surveil that place. I think you might have had people coming into your church once or twice that I heard about people that didn't quite fit. And immediately, they were spotted, and there was so much psychological pressure put on them without saying anything to them. They left, and that's the kind of thing you need. It, it, it's not complicated. We have a tendency to let fear rule the day. Instead, have preparation rule the day, and that that gates that drives away fear, and so people can come in and worship in peace because they're, they're all aware of the threat, and if they know that there's people around, they're prepared to immediately put something like that down, starting in the parking lot, uh, they'll they'll rest easy then because they know it's going to be handled. So that's what I would suggest to every church. There's, it's not a big thing. Make sure that, uh, two or three guys or even one guy that is armed, that they can handle their weapon well. And uh, all you really need in close quarters is a handgun. And yes, it, it wouldn't hurt to have wouldn't hurt to have an AR-15 around because that's armor piercing. So if somebody comes in wearing Kevlar, that rifle can drop them real quick, even at 100, 200 yards. So that yeah, it's, I think that would be the prep, all the preparation you need, and then don't worry about it, you know. Amen. So yeah, pray in church, and um, you have. Uh, let's just look at this, you know, squarely. That there is a, a decision made today, the Roe versus Wade decision, and when Donald Trump, I want to connect the two. When Donald Trump was elected as the president of the United States of America, people rejoiced in that because the Obama administration was so, you know, just horrible. So he comes out, he wins this election, and it sparks anarchy throughout the world, basically. And it sparks anarchy in the streets of America. And right before he leaves, the 2020 thing shows up. Um, and then you've had this nightmare that's been all around us. So even though this is a great decision, 50 years later, uh, I genuinely expect that this is the time. And I want to read um, out of the book of Amos chapter 7 just briefly. Um, and I think everybody needs to hear this. The churches need to hear it. The, you know, businesses need to hear it. This country needs to hear it. The world needs to hear it. Um, and it begins in Amos chapter 7, verse 7. Uh, Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then said the Lord, behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people, Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore, and the high places of Isaac shall be desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Well, then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. 
The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. But prophesy not again here, not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and is the king's court. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore hear thou the word of the Lord. You say, Prophesy not against Israel, and drop not your word against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Your wife shall be a harlot in the city. Your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword. Your land shall be divided by line, and you shall die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. You know, if that prophet, Amos, was here today, the polluted world that the people are going to die in is a radioactive, nuclear fallout kind of world. He is not giving ifs, ands, or buts. He's saying directly. Here's the word of the Lord. Your, your wife is going to be a harlot because the, 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 the environment of the world is going to change so dramatically. She's going to have to do that to put food on the table. Uh, your sons are going to be taken into captivity. They're going to die. Uh, there's no easy way to say it. And the, the people are saying, we don't want to hear that. You know, the, the land cannot bear up under his words. And yet, if Amos were in America today, he would speak the same exact words to our nation, to the Judeo-Christian America that he spoke thousands of years ago uh, into that environment. I think this is very real, and I believe that this moment that has just happened, though on the one side the world would say, look, this is great. On the other side, it would really mark the time of massive judgment, and I really do believe we're going to see that. The world doesn't want to hear it. The church doesn't want to hear it, but the environment is going to change dramatically Why? Because in Amos chapter 8, Don, you know all about this. The Lord God showed me a basket of summer fruit, and he said, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. And the Lord said, the end has come upon my people. I will not again pass by them anymore. The songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. And then in verse 9, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord God will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day, and I will turn your feasts into mourning, all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth upon all loins, baldness upon every head, and I will make it as the morning of an only sun. And I want people to know in the end is a bitter day that the time, the atmosphere of Amos's prophecy was in an atmosphere that was less blasphemous as it is today. Don, I believe the word of the Lord, the prophets are speaking to our nation. And I believe when America falls, the rest of the earth, as Daniel Seckham said yesterday, the rest of the earth is going to feel the impact of that fall. And uh, we're going to see the acceleration into the Antichrist kingdom during the Great Tribulation, where 4 billion people are about to go off this planet because of war, pestilence, famine, natural disaster, and the other things that the Word of God talked about. This is not a safe time, even though it's a a 50-year decision that's finally been made. It's just not a safe time. 
Uh, your thoughts, speaking of that, please. You know, I was watching these reporters uh, covering the Ukrainian war, and they have this little salutation they give to each other. It's called, they say, be safe, be safe. And I, I kind of laugh. Uh, you got this guy in the middle of a war zone. He he could catch a bullet or explosion at any time. And his compadres back in the United States are telling him to be safe. <laughs> so Easier uh, said than done, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's biblical, too. They cried peace and safety, but there is none. See, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So be safe. Yeah. There's no safety, and uh, there's not going to be any safety. Uh, the judgment of the Most High God is upon the land now because of its sin. And God's the same today as he was yesterday, and, and that he's going to be forever. He doesn't change. We have a tendency through pride to think that we can commit gross sin on a national and now even a personal level, and that there's not going to be a day of judgment. Why do we think that? Because we want our own way and we don't want to admit, or they call it cognitive dissonance, dissonance now. We don't want to admit that tomorrow or today is going to be the same day as it was yesterday. But that's not true because the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. <clears throat> It's death. And so that's what our country our country's dying. Uh, we sure have dealt out a lot of death to the prime that pump. Eighty million babies, sovereign souls. You know, and the Bible says that God owns all souls. Now that's interesting. God is the owner of all souls. So it doesn't matter uh, if you're a Satanist, no matter what you say, you might you might have felt like you sold yourself to the soul to the devil, but you sold something that you don't even have. You gave the devil a bad deal, and he might bless you so that you can uh, spread evil throughout the land, uh, whatever, and he'll give you materialism and money and cars and homes and everything else. But that doesn't change the fact that you sold something that to him that you didn't even have. You can't sell. Because God has your soul, and that soul is going to return to him because it belongs to him. We are made by God for God, and it's just that simple. And we can rebel against that all we want, but uh, once again, uh, we don't break the laws of God. We break ourselves upon them. It's a matter of time in all of our lives until we have to face the judgment of God because of our sin. Amen. Uh, Amen. Don, if I can. Yeah, in this life. Just a quick interjection, one one quick interjection. Um, Most church people are not familiar with the language that you are speaking and have been speaking. Um, You know, they're not familiar with this. It's always, you know, the language of, um, you know, peace and safety and motivational speeches and everything is going to be all right. They're not used to hearing um, about churches having to protect themselves, which, by the way, churches in mass throughout the United States, large and small, have already had security guards and security teams in operation, in effect, because the church knew 
that the day would come, they would be the target and the persecution would come. And a lot of these pastors that look so mild and tempered and they're wearing their suits, they are surrounded by security. There's no doubt about that. So it's not a new thing. And one other thing about the Supreme Court of the United States, it's not the Supreme Court. God is the supreme judge of the universe and his court has already ruled and a decision has come from the court on this nation and it's been found guilty. And now comes the execution of the judgment that has been written against it. This is not the beginning of a revival and a turning back to God. This is the consummation of 50 years of shedding innocent blood by a blasphemous, wicked, evil Supreme Court of the United States of America that passed laws into society that offended God, that were an abomination to God, like men marrying men. So there's no excuse for this so-called Supreme Court. They have been weighed in the balance. Some have already died. They're already gone. But this whole system is about to be demolished and flattened to the ground because God will not be mocked. Is that the word of the Lord or not? Yes. Yes, definitely. It's, uh, it's ran its course. The United States has ran its course from, from, the, from the greatness of the United States made great, in my opinion, because it's done more than any other country to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. But now, uh, it became decadent uh, to its own success, its own pride, its own sense of safety, and now it finds itself, well, basically naked in the street. Everything's going to be taken away from her because she uh, fell into sin, she refused to repent, and now she's to be destroyed. It's just that simple. Uh, the only one that has any hope are the people of God because they have that Psalm 91 security agreement, and and God cannot lie. God does not lie. He has certain, I mean, he wants you to um, live a holy life in certain conditions of Psalm 91, but uh, there's uh, many more blessings to Psalm 91 than there are conditions. The only thing he wants you to do as, uh, uh, as his son and daughter that he, of him, the only thing that he wants is for you to live according to uh, the way that the Holy Spirit and the law of God dictates to you, uh, which is, is not restrictive. It's like a stop sign. It's like a four-way stop. If you want to blow the sign, you get hit on the side. It's because you blew the the sign. You saw it there. And that's the way the, the law of God is. Obey his laws. Obey his, uh, his uh, unctions from the Holy Spirit. And you'll be fine. No matter what happens, you'll be fine. And you won't suffer judgment. You'll see the judgment. You'll be uh, around it. And uh, that's that's not good. I mean... I don't want to see that. I don't want to see what's going to happen here as far as millions of people dead, bodies in the street, buildings on fire, uh, and all the criminality that goes with it from a, a, a basically unrestrained criminal uh, um, segment of society. Uh, it's going to be a road warrior. And yet, all the underpin, all the underpinnings of that not happening, they, they're being yanked away. 
I mean, right now, I sincerely believe that Washington, D.C. has lost the ability to govern its people. And now it's going, because of its own pride and ignorance and corruption, and now it's it's gone into uh, to judgment. Now it's, it's uh, the result of uh, the sin and corruption in Washington, D.C. has spread throughout the entire land. And it's gone unrestrained. As far as the abortion thing, I don't know. You know, <clears throat> I think if a person wanted to get an abortion, no matter who says no, uh, they're going to find some state or, some, or they'll move to it, whatever, if they want to be that way. They'll just get up and move to where they can be more free so that they can murder babies and go unrestrained. Is that going to be a blue state? Yeah, probably. Uh, but I think that the main issue is right now is that ruling, the only thing it did is leave the power of uh, abortions and murdering babies in the power of the states. They took it away from the, the federal power uh, to where the federal government can uniformly say across the board, you have to give abortions no matter what state you're in. So now it's up to the states. So that further divides the country into a type of civil war environment. And then you have all these aggravators, you know, that are moving in like vultures on the country to just create more division, uh, more anarchy. And what's the main objective? The country in the civil war. Uh, the uh, model of the new world order is out of chaos comes order. So what do they want? They want chaos. That's why they're flooding all these uh, illegals. Uh, I'm not calling them immigrants because they're not legally immigrating. They're illegal aliens. They're, they're flooding into the country. And uh, with abandon, you're going to see a lot more of that. Why? Because the New World Order wants chaos. They want confusion. They want disorder so that they can, re- they can instill an iron fist rule. Right now, you've seen the iron fist with the glove on it. Well, the glove's coming off now. Now it's going to be an iron fist rule, and that's what they want. Because once they have that kind of control, then they can move to establish every aspect of the agenda that they want. The only thing stopping them right now is they're afraid of the American people because the American people are the most heavily armed population in the world, civilian population in the world. They're terrified of that because they know if the American people collectively get angry, come against the government, they can overthrow it as the Constitution instructs them to. And this is a time of overthrow. Even constitutionally, it's a time of overthrow. This is the time for the American people to overthrow this communist, illegitimate, tyrannical clown show that was voted in, wasn't voted in, it was stolen, it was placed in, in Washington, D.C., because of the corruption of the Washington, D.C. government and its tentacles everywhere. So that has to be overthrown, and it will be overthrown one way or another. It's either going to be overthrown by the people in arms collectively across the states, or government's going to fall and a a type of communist iron-fisted rule will take place. It will replace the Constitution. So the government has been usurped. It has been overthrown. It's just a matter of time now is what controls 
are going to be instituted on the American people to solidify that overthrow. And gun confiscation is the big one. They got to have to get the guns out of the hands of the American people. Now, what they could do, what it looks like they're doing, is it looks to me like they're just going to starve us out. We're in a stage of siege, and they're just going to starve the American people out. And uh, unless something else happens, like a nuclear war. So they're going to starve people out. They're not going to be able to eat. I, I was reading today where we only have eight weeks of diesel gas fuel left because the additives that are being used to put in the diesel fuel, they've been pulled back and restricted. We're not, they're not making it anymore. So that means trucking is going to stop. If trucking stops, you're not going to get food. You're not going to do anything. You're only going to have what you have in hand. So you have that uh, on the horizon, and that naturally will cause uh, a, a economic collapse so you have all these things that can be employed against the American people to defeat and destroy the American people, and they're being used right now. It looks like for a while now this this terrorism thing about uh, you know burning churches and you know I saw the Homeland Security director. They're talking about public gatherings. It's not just churches, and of course they're talking about government centers. You know. So they're counting on this rebellion of the American people, at least elements of them, to create havoc and chaos. And their main objective is to seize complete power to where they're not opposed anymore. And then, of course, somewhere in there, uh, at the end of all the shooting or before, they're going to go for uh, gun control, gun confiscation. But I got to tell you, if you got nothing to eat, and you haven't ate for a week or two, and you got kids, and even if you're hungry, I know I've, I've longest I've ever gone for without food is four or five days. You, I think you've gone a lot, gone a lot longer than that. But when you haven't eaten, all you think about is eating. So if uh, a government vehicle pulls up on the corner and says, "Hey, uh, according to this federal firearms thing here, you have a rifle you brought back in 1991." You bring that up here, and we'll give you a couple. Uh, we'll give you a bag of beans. Well, you'll carry that rifle up and give it right to them, if, you know, because you right. can't eat a rifle, you can't eat ammunition. So it looks like starvation will be the big thing that they're going to use to try to uh, probably disarm the American people. And uh, so that- the cities, the cities, they have a very simple solution. The cities go up, they contain them, they encircle the cities. And they say, nobody's coming out. And if we decide to send food into you, we will. If we don't, you know, find a way to eat. Go eat yourselves. You know, I know uh, the Rank Corporation in New York said that if uh, there's a, a EMP or a power outage in New York City, within three days, cannibalism will start. The Rank, Rank Corporation said that. And, and historically throughout, you know, through our, our our biblical history, we know that in Jerusalem, when it was laid siege, that women were eating their own babies. They were deciding which baby do we eat today, yours or mine. You know, it got that bad because they could not eat; they would die if they didn't eat. Um, so all these things uh, are in play right now. It's all on the table, and our enemies have placed up there, and their main objective is to defeat 
the American people and depopulate the American people by two-thirds by the year 2025. So what does, what's the objective? I mean, you can see what they're doing. And every day you hear something new, something new where they're taking it away from you. I know the gas pumps right down the road from me. I noticed in the last week they quit selling. First they quit selling mid-grade gasoline. Then they quit selling premium gasoline. Then only, the only thing left is, uh, you know, regular unleaded, which means they aren't getting shipments into the gas stations. It's not coming in. It's being restricted above them. Biden blaming? <laughs> He's blaming the gas station owners. It's hilarious because these guys are liars, they're manipulators, and their main objective is to destroy you. And only now are the American people starting to understand that this government that's in place in Washington, D.C. is not their government. It belongs to someone else. It belongs to China. It belongs to foreign powers. And these officials in Washington have been bought off, bribed off, uh, and they're not to be trusted because they're not working in your interest. They're working in their interest. And for whatever reason that is, that's what they're doing. And if it's not overthrown or stopped, and personally I don't think it, it can be because the main problem is, the main problem now is the American people have become corrupt. They're divided. They're like rebellious children. And I'm talking about the majority. So the only ones that have any real hope here is the born-again, blood-washed Christian because he has a Father in heaven that will take care of him all the way into eternity. And God's going to decide how he's going to do that. He has legions and legions, millions of angels, billions of angels. Each one of us has an angel assigned to us, at least one very powerful being that will protect us and lead us according to God's will. So we have nothing to fear. Uh, I think we should prepare for what's coming down the road. But at the end of the day, I don't think fear should be in the Christian vocabulary. Not that word. Preparation maybe, but not fear. There's nothing to be afraid of, really. All right, Don, you've said a lot, and I want to I want to I want to dig into some of the things you said. You spoke some things uh, verbatim to the Word of God that I want to definitely get back to. Um, <clears throat> I want everyone that's listening right now uh, to mark this day, June 24th, uh, not because it was my most incredible father-in-law, Mr. B's birthday, who lived to be 100 years old, because today is his birthday. He passed on a few years ago. Um, but I want you to mark this day because this day is going to mark the beginning of the end of everything as you know it. You mark, you mark that, those words, you mark that day, you mark this day. Uh, Don, you had said something, and I've, and I've got it here. In Ezekiel chapter 16, um, it says in verse 46, Ezekiel 16, 46, your elder sister is Samaria. She and her daughters that dwell at your left hand and your younger sister that dwell at your right hand is Sodom and her daughters. Yet hast thou not walked after their ways, nor done after their abominations, but as if that were a very little thing, you were corrupted more than they in all your ways. 
verse 48. As I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom, your sister, has not done, nor she nor her daughters, as you have done, you and your daughters. Behold, this was the iniquity, and this is what you were saying, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. So we're talking about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. The sins of America are more than they've ever were there. The, the spiritual component, and this is very important to what you have been talking about, is if the Klaus Schwabs of this world or the devil himself, Satan, Lucifer himself, the man of sin himself, if they were thinking, okay, what is the one thing we can do to ignite this thing once and for all? What is it? Now, we, we saw how we released in 2020. We saw how we released in the, in the uh, Trump administration presidency. What is the one thing we can do to bring this thing to an end? Well, spiritually speaking, the demonic presence in America in the souls of the multitudes of people in this nation, at least half the country, who have been fighting for the left's ideology and agenda. What has fueled the demonic in America has been the shedding of innocent blood. Just like gasoline is necessary for a car to drive, the blood of the innocents has been the fuel that has ignited the left's agenda to bring America to the point of where it is right now. So the demons have been appeased by the shedding of innocent blood. So the way you stir things up now, the way that you agitate the spiritual environment is you now threaten to take their blood from them. So the demons now are going to become very agitated. The people who have been possessed by the demons through the bloodshedding, through the abomination of LGBTQ, homosexuality, lesbianism, all the perversion of these things. These are great abominations in the eyes of God. So now, as the one is being threatened, the other, the other is going to be very interesting to see. But this bloodshedding has been the fuel that has ignited the energy, and that's now being threatened. And this day, you mark this day, that the demonic in the people that has possessed them, possessed their souls, is going to agitate. This is going to become the violent agitation of the history of the United States of America. There will be no comparison to years gone by. Nobody's going to look back to the 1970s and say, oh, well, this was going on, or in the 60s of the civil rights movement, and this was going on. What is ready to happen to this country? is the final episode. It is the finality. I will pass by you no more. This is the final words of God to Amos concerning his people. The end is come. I will pass by you no more. There's not going to be any more opportunities. And while the, the, the minds of the masses, even in the church that looks at this day as a great day of victory, they're not really interpreting what it really means. So the delusion is strong in the minds of the masses. And we're not going to stand back from saying this. This is the day, today's decision. And we'll see it with our eyes. 
These are the days that we have been warned about. These are the days. And all the talking in the world cannot compare to the actual experience of what is about to happen. I don't give power to Jane's Revenge, Antifa, BLM, the left, the globalists. I give them zero power. But I know the demonic is going to be stirred and agitated, and Father God has lifted his hand of protection off this nation. And what is about to be unleashed is because this nation's blasphemy, this nation's abomination, this nation's rebellion has created an atmosphere that nothing more can be done. There is no victory in today's Supreme Court decision. I I hold to that. I, I think it would be wonderful under other conditions, but it is really an accelerant to accelerate. And we'll see. Mark this day, June 24th, not as a day of revival and a day of returning, but a day where the linchpin was pulled and the powder keg has finally come to the point of detonation and life in America is going to change. The churches in America are going to wake up to a reality and we're going to see this change. Don, if I said anything else other than that, I don't think we'd be true to the word of God. I just don't think that this political maneuver at this moment is a game changer for this country's doom. Your thoughts? No, I think that that decision, was, that's what it was meant to do. <laughs> you know, when they stole Trump's election, I guess you could say, say they stole our election. When they did that and the, and the Supreme Court was complicit, especially that Roberts, Clarence Thomas is the only, is the only innocent guy up there. I kind of feel sorry for him because he must really be get, taking it tough from those guys. But when they did that, I realized how corrupt uh, that the Supreme Court really is. It's just a political tool. So that being the case, it was it was another tool used against us. So I think it was meant to create that decision at this time was meant to be released. And I don't believe anything was leaked out of the Supreme Court. It's never got leaked before. So yeah, we're looking off for the leaker. Yeah, you're the leaker. <laughs> but uh, right. I, I think that uh, that that decision was meant to just to create chaos and add to throw on the, the bonfire here uh, that's been cooking in the country. Uh, and they want chaos, and they want disorder. And, uh, and then you get this nuclear thing building over in Europe. I mean, uh, come on, this is this is really getting bad over there. Uh, uh, NATO has decided that uh, they're going to start it uh, with this uh, one country, uh, Kyrgyzstan, uh, and they got they threw them against Russia, uh, trying to. Uh, cut off supplies to this, uh, what's that, it's in name, Kalingrad, uh, a million people, uh, they aren't getting uh, the supplies they need uh, by land, saying that, oh, that's all that sanctions. So now they're actually enforcing the sanctions. Well, that's a NATO country. And Russia told them, and he says, okay, now uh, we're coming in there, and we're going we're gonna to get you, and we're going to break that. They call it a blockade. Well, that means it's uh, a, a NATO country got attacked. 
And uh, now you got the Article 5 and you got this big war going, 30 countries coming against Russia, and Russia said, we're going right to nukes when you guys do this Article 5 thing. So right now, at any time, you're going to see nuclear uh, weapons flying over there. And what's interesting is 70% of NATO is us. All these other little countries over there, even militarily, 70% of it's our, our, our stuff, people, our armies. So when this goes flying, you know who the primary target is, the primary bad guy as far as Russia is concerned? It's going to be the United States. Yep. So you got that threatening us. And like a, a, a Russia will use nuclear weapons. I was reading the other day where uh, people over Europe, they, no, they won't do that. Well, this is people that were saying that uh, they wouldn't invade the Ukraine if uh, they didn't get some security guarantees that Ukraine wouldn't uh, join NATO and put uh, U.S. missiles, nuke missiles, within five, mi- five minutes flight time from uh, Moscow and eight minutes from their silos. And that's all they wanted. And Biden says, nope, we're going to do what we want to do. And the reason for that is they want war. They want war with Russia. And I personally believe they want nuclear war. And they're pushing as hard as they can. And uh, they're going to get it. They're going to get it here maybe real quickly because uh, yeah. and the thing is, all this Ukraine and uh, Russian war back and forth, these guys are fighting each other. They're fighting brothers. They're, they're brothers. They look at Ukrainians as their brothers. And they're being very serviceable with what they're doing. But when they come against our country, they're brothers. They're going to fight like we're an we're, uh, uh, alien enemy to them. And they got no interest, no, no real interest at all to show any mercy on the United States especially since we started this intentionally because this is what we want. Well, we're going to get what we want. And uh, who's going to suffer the most from it? The American people. So once again, you got more of a depopulation agenda being forced on the American people. According to the CIA Deagle documents, uh, they want uh, two-thirds of the American people gone, dead, uh, by the uh, two, 2025. Okay, well, we're right on uh, schedule, aren't we? And then the COVID shot, 50% of American people got that poison shot into them, and, and they're dying. They're dying from that stuff. They're not going to survive. Uh, so there's no there's no hope for the American people. Like I said, the only ones that, that can and really, and I got to tell you, really have the right to survive is the blood-washed Christians in this country because they're serving God and God, they can expect God's protection. But, you know, the death angel's coming, uh, and the death angel is going to work his way into the cities, and uh, only the ones that have the blood of Jesus on their, their threshold, those are the only ones that can expect that that angel won't enter their homes. Uh, so it's just that simple. There's no other way to look at it, you know. Yeah, and it seems that way. People can deny it. We can deny it all we want. The American people can deny it all they want. The churches can deny it. But it's here. It's it's in your face. Uh, so yep. get ready because uh, it's going to be a rough yep. ride. A rough ride. And, yeah, Don. Uh, by people, the time this, 
Uh, go ahead. I was just saying, I want you to continue. We've got a call coming in. I want to take that call. But, you know, there are people in the, that are listening. There are people that are in the world. When they hear this conversation, their, heart, their, their foreheads harden. They rage in their spirit. They don't want to hear this. They're, they're thinking, how odd of you. Here it is, 50 years. The Supreme Court overturned this bad decision. How are you not rejoicing in this? Well, because we're not going to be blinded by the deception that is behind what is happening. Real quick, let's take this call coming in from area code 605. This is our friends from South Dakota. Good morning. God bless you. Ken and Kathy, how are you today? Do you have a question for Don? Well, I would like to make a comment. Could I do that? Sure. Okay. Ezekiel 22 goes right along with what Brother Don has been talking about in yourself. And here is what the two verses say in, in Ezekiel 22. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, now this is to Ezekiel, now judge thou the son of man, which thou judge, wilt thou judge the bloody city, Washington, D.C. You can put that in there. Yea, thou shalt show her all her abominations. Now in the third verse, then say thou, Thus saith the Lord, the city sheddeth blood in the midst of it, that her time has may come, and maketh idols against herself to defile herself. Thou art become guilty. The blood that thou hast shed has defiled thyself and thine idols, which thou hast made. And thou hast caused thy days to draw near, and are come even unto thy years. Therefore have I made thee a reproach unto the heathen, and a mocking to all countries. We fit the picture right here, America. Plus, about a month ago, I was praying, and, and the Lord gave me this word. The cup of iniquity is full. That's all I have to say. All right. Well, Kathy, thank you. Yeah, I remember you sharing that just a little bit ago. Uh, what she's saying is very true, um, Don. And, you know, people, I could just imagine people, well, where's the good news in all of this? You know, where is the good news? Well, it was mentioned. It was spoken of in detail by you, Brother, John, Brother Don, that what, what this is all about. And the good news for us while we're living here at this time in this moment becoming aware, watching the signs of the times, giving interpretation, you know, to what's happening in our world today, we should be drawing very, 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 very close to Jesus, our great shepherd, very, very closely led by the Holy Spirit, and it, it not in a manner that denies what is. I mean, everything that was just said is going to be fulfilled. And mark today, mark today as the beginning of the undoing, uh, the final collapse to bring about uh, their global agenda. There's no doubt this is going, this is happening. So, but what do we do as believers? Well, we remember that Christ Jesus is our King and it's his kingdom that we belong to and that we have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have built our lives upon the rock of his word and his truth. So in the time of shaking and instability, we should be standing firm upon an unmovable foundation. And what that's going to look like, I don't know. Jeremiah walked through the collapse of his entire nation, and he just walked through the rubble of it. He was kept in the time of his nation going into slavery, into 70 years of slavery. 
with the building temple being destroyed and the burnt stones everywhere. And he wrote a book called Lamentations. He walked right through it, but he was never touched by it. And then he was given favor in Babylon to sit at the table and to be fed and to be taken care of the rest of his life. Who knows what these days are going to bring in their totality, what it's going to look like. Don, you've seen in your past, in your dealings, things can go south pretty quickly. And um, I'm not so sure there's anything left to say. We've got 10 minutes left in the broadcast. Uh, anything left that you would like to share or say or uh, just comment upon? There's a lot of people out there right now, a lot, that profess to be Christian. And that's good. But too many of them have Christianity in their head. Uh, and then some of these guys are really good. I mean, they can quote the Bible and everything else. And they talk historically how they used to be really close to God. And uh, But Christianity is a journey. And it's not a long journey. It's a six-inch journey from your head to your heart. And you can't allude to Jesus Christ. You have to give yourself to him. And that's when he enters your heart. And it could take, <laughs> it could take five minutes to do that. You have to surrender your life and everything in you to Jesus. Being a Christian is going to cost you everything, everything that you are, to lay it down on the altar of Jesus Christ. Only then can you even know what being a Christian is when you feel the power of God enter your psyche, enter your soul. You have that extra dimension of the Holy Spirit speaking truth to you. And the first thing you'll say is, what took me so long, you know? What took me so long? Well, it was the world and the flesh and the devil. You have to forsake all that and put Jesus first and mean it when you say it. Bring him into your heart, out of your head. You get what you know and cling to what he is. And that's the secret. And then... You know, after that, nothing really matters that much anymore other than being close to him, serving him as he wants you to, as the Holy Spirit tells you to, as the Scripture tells you to. And it's an adventure that you'll never regret. I've been a Christian about, a real Christian, probably about 35 years. And it's been a growth process. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, I've regretted a lot of things in my life. Probably most things I've ever done, there's always a, a bad side to it. I kind of wish I hadn't have done that or I would have done something else. Everything in life, even making money, everything, is. there's always a downside to everything. But there's no downside to becoming a born-again Christian. It's just good. And even if you suffer, you're suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. So I implore anyone who's ever professed to be a Christian, 
who's ever thought about being one or the backslidden people who used to be, but they're like out there in, in the twilight zone now. They don't know really what to do. Come to him. Give your life to him. And do your life a living sacrifice for him in every way. If there's sin, get rid of it. Confess it. He'll give you the power, the supernatural power, to overcome any kind of a sin, even the desire to do sin. Now, every Christian that has been born again knows exactly what I'm talking about, and they know that that's true. I implore anyone listening, even if just one person listening, turn your life over to Jesus and get the goodness of God and the supernatural power of God in your life. You'll never regret it. And that's what you need to do. You need to stop, you need to stop horsing around with this thing and do what God wants you to do. Do the will of God for your life. And the first thing God wants you to do is surrender your entire life, all that you are, to Jesus Christ. And that could take five minutes of prayer. Take that six-inch journey from your head down to your heart, and I promise you, you'll never regret doing that. There'll never be a time. I've never heard a Christian ever say, I I regret being a Christian. I've heard people say, I regret being this or being that or becoming a policeman or becoming a whatever occupation it is. But I've never heard anyone say, I regret ever becoming a Christian. And to me, that's key. That's key. So I implore everyone to do that. And and these days ahead, stay as close as God to Jesus as you can possibly uh, be. And it's not going to, it doesn't take that much effort. Just keep them in your heart and keep your confidence in him and everything will work out fine for you. And I've seen the supernatural power of God to deliver people. I could tell you stories of what I witnessed myself as a policeman and in Vietnam that a lot of people would say, you're crazy. You're just making this up. Well, if you're a born-again Christian, I know you'll believe me because you've had the same kind of experiences I know you have. You know, So you've got supernatural power to govern your life and to provide for you. Well, that's where you want to be, right? I mean, isn't that what you want? <laughs> so, like I said, that's that's about all I have to say on that issue. Yeah. But it's important that you listen to that one thing I just said, even if you never listen to anything else, because I know that's true. And all the born again out there, they know that's true too. Amen. So join us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What a great Amen. end time army. What a, what a way to take a stand and uh, what an imploration and exhortation to everybody listening. Uh, Don, I want to, I want to just say this and, and I think I have to say it. Um, you know, some people may perceive that we get behind the microphone today and we're loud and uh, throwing out these scriptures of doom and gloom. But let me, let me just enlighten some people to something. Um, Jeremiah, and again, we're not comparing ourselves with anybody. I'm just saying there's a likeness of how God does things. Jeremiah was known as a weeping prophet, was he not? He was the weeping prophet. And God put words in that man's mouth 
that were not his own. And his heart was anguished over the words he had spoken. Because God said, I'm putting my words in your mouth, and if you don't speak them, I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody. So Jeremiah reluctantly but willingly to honor God spoke what God said, but his own personal heart was anguished and caused a lot of pain. I have been sharing with our congregation for the last 10 days now, I guess we're close to that, there has been a grief so deep inside of me. And speaking these words is not coming out of my bravado or braggadocia or arrogance or pride or meanness or anger or anything. These are God's words that he wants spoken. But the anguish in my heart over these words, over this idea, because I know people don't respond very well to this. And it's not how you win friends and influence people. I get it. But these things that were said out of anguish. They were not spoken out of anything other than a grief. And whatever this grief is going to produce, to me, it is what God has been saying. There is a birth pang ready to hit this earth that is going to shake the world. And it is going to produce great pain. And I don't know exactly what that is. But what happened today, I believe, you should mark June 24th, and we're going to see a summer of violence. And that is not coming from, yeah, that is coming from anguish. But I tell you the truth. Don, it's been an honor to be with you. As always, my dear friend, I thank you for joining me on the air and thank you for sharing your heart. And uh, once and again, God bless you and your family. God bless you too, Pastor. Thank you, brother. Shalom. All right, there it is, folks. We have a great, great weekend. It's, I would encourage everybody, go back, listen to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Listen to the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, of the men of God and the women of God that have been on this broadcast. Listen to the Clarion Call. And, and, and we're just inviting people that have their own mind to speak whatever God's telling them. And you're going to hear something that's going to shock you if you're willing to listen. Tuesday, Pastor Jeff Bass. Wednesday. Brother and sister, Brian and Kathy Gray. Thursday, Daniel Seckham. Friday, Don Ho. And, I, and, and how many more can we just bring on to say the same thing? But it's all coming from a different perspective, from their walk with God. We have shared with you these things to get you ready and to get you prepared. Your response to what you're hearing is entirely between you and God. It's entirely between you and God. You can say anything you want against me. I get it. You can say anything you want. You can rage. You can vex. You can curse. You can do anything. But I'm telling you this. These are not my words. These are God's words. This is God's message. The God of love is warning this world. Your time is short. And everything has been moving in the direction 19 years I've been watching to see if America will return to a former state of glory. When God said in 2003, no, it's crashed the point of no return, I've been waiting to see because everybody was saying, we're going to be great again, and we have not been great. We are now teaching children how to be transgender. We are, we, how deep is the corruption? It, it now can only be set on fire. And our God is a consuming fire, and our God will not be mocked. 
And our God has words written in this book that he wants spoken. And whether this land can bear them or not does not matter. God, his word, his truth to a nation that knows better is going to prevail. And we have been warned, and you can deal with that any way you want to, but I would deal with it in faith, in the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. I would draw near to God. And I would sincerely ask the Holy Spirit, talk to me deeply, direct me, guide me. I am a Psalm 91 pastor and a Psalm 91 man. I am a Psalm 23. I am there. I am in it. We believe in the the Church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation. We believe in divine protection. We believe that God has a refuge. God prepares an ark. We believe these things. And we have warned and warned and warned. And every time we've warned, we've seen it get progressively worse, not better. And it's not going to get better, worse until it gets better. The only better that's coming is when Jesus Christ returns after the great tribulation. All the deception is going to have to be dealt with in the house of God. He's laying the plummet. And the doctrinal lies that have been promoted, pre-tribulational rapture, once saved, always saved, These things are going to be severely dealt with. And all of God's people that are still alive at this time are going to walk through this moment, and most are going into the Great Tribulation, where their robes are going to be washed, and the spots, blemishes, and wrinkles are going to be dealt with once and for all. And some are going to be hid. Some are going to be protected. Some are going to be in the very protective hedge of God. And no man on earth or no devil is going to have access to them. Would to God the people that tuned into this broadcast would be those people. Not because of association with the ministry, but because of association with the word of God. Because it's rich and deep and abiding in their heart and in their mind. The days that are coming are going to bring lamentation, woe and mourning we've never seen before. And I warn you, and I tell you, these are God's words. On the other side of this moment, God says to those who honor and obey him, the Christian, the the believer, come on into my kingdom. Come on, I've got a, I've got, I'm, I'm the door, I'm the access into the abundant life. Come on into the abundant life. The devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and all who stay outside are going to experience that. But I've come that you might have a life, and more abundantly. I'm the door into the abundant life, the internal quality of life and joy and peace and love and favor and grace and mercy and truth and forgiveness and washing and cleansing and vitality and and anointing and energy. I'm the door, Jesus said, into that life. But it's not geographically. It's not external. It's what is available to us in the midst of the storm of violence that's ready to hit this world. So come to Jesus. Not religion. Come to Jesus, the person. He died for our sins so that he might deliver us from this evil present world, so that we will not walk in fear in the times of trouble. For I will deliver him. I will surely deliver him and her.
who have fled to Christ for a refuge. Dwell there. Dwell in the secret place. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And you will be fine. And if in this life you are removed from this earth, may the confidence and your faith in Jesus Christ be in the resurrection. May you or I be part of the first resurrection if we physically die in this world. Because he who has part in the first resurrection, the second death will have no power over them. So let us live so that if we die, we will partake in the resurrection, the first one at the coming of the Lord Jesus. But more determined shall we be to be those who are alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord. So when he returns and the angels are sent and the trumpet shall blast, the dead in Christ shall rise and we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And we will have been completely transformed and ready and fit for eternal life where there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more death. There will be no more of this evil, of this darkness. There will be no more antichrist, no more Satan, no more devil. There will be no more beast. There will be no more false prophets. There will be no more. There will be life and life abundant in every realm of existence. And our beings will be able to contain the glory and the presence of God because we will have bodies that are able to contain it. Right now, we get a little taste of God's glory, and we feel like dead men. We get wiped out. But a time is coming for the glory, for the presence. I want you to do something. If you have not yet bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, I want you to call the number on the screen. I want you to call the number. I want you to make a public confession of faith. If you have been religious your whole life, but you find yourself at this moment hearing these things, getting afraid and worried, you're not really born again. Call the number. Pray. Make a public confession. I repent of my sin, of religion, or any other sin that is putting you into a place of captivity. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. Call the number on the screen, 479-233-3774. Call the number. Live an abundant life. Break free of the shackles of fear and bondage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Don't be afraid. Walk in the spirit. Walk in faith. Walk in love. Don't let your love grow cold when these evil times come. This is a challenge to us all. Have an incredible weekend. Stay alert. Get ready for the journey of a lifetime. On the other side of these moments is what it's all about. These present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory.
that shall be revealed in us. God bless you, saints. May the spirit of God's grace and comfort bring peace and joy to your heart because you have wrapped your life and you have clung to Jesus. Don't let him go. (laughs) Stay close to the shepherd's feet. Don't be a wayward Christian out there on the wayside. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. His love is stretched out still, even in these warnings. And you've heard it today for a reason. God bless you. We'll see you next week, Lord willing. This is Pastor Vince. Shalom. And God bless.